It's no secret the NFL has a problem with race. Think Colin Kaepernick. Think Brian Flores. But this isn't a new problem. It's one that started as far back as the 1930s, with a ban on Black players in the NFL, with a past that informs the present. Blackballed is a new miniseries podcast from The Ringer about the four men who broke the color barrier in football. I'm your host, Chelsea Stark-Jones. Blackballed is dropping soon on The Ringer NFL feed. It's The Ringer NBA Show presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all in one page. Plus, start betting on the Explorer page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gambling. Please visit theringer.com backslash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 years and older and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com backslash RG. This episode is brought to you by Honda. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Hello and welcome to this special episode of Group Chat After Dark, recording live uh, Wednesday after a rousing lineup of games. I am Justin Barrier. Joining me, a couple of undateable podcast bros. We got Rob Mahoney. We got Big Waz. What's up, gentlemen? You know, I thought the article made some good points. I can't lie to you. Uh, generally an undateable genre, the podcast bro, us included. Who, who are we to argue? Yeah, I, I I had to, you know, shouts to the New York Times for even acknowledging the people in our profession, um, you know, in in the newspaper of record. But yeah, I, I think most of us, by and large, are quite undateable for sure. I'm actually curious, Waz, because because you're out there, you're you're like able to test this firsthand. Mm-hmm. Are you getting a lot of rebukes based on your profession or? Are people more warm to the fact that you're on a hit NBA so, show podcast? Multiple <laughs> hit NBA Multiple. show podcasts. So I'll give you I'll give you um, an example, right? When people ask me what I do for a living, I'd be like, I work in media, um, specifically sports media. They'll be like, okay, but like, what do you do? And I'll be like, I write, I YouTube. And our podcast. Oh. <laughs> it's always the third. It's always the it's third mention. Even if it's my main job, it's always the third that is mentioned. It's not your job title, though. Senior writer, Wozniak Lambert. Of course. You know? yeah, that's exactly. first and foremost, always. That's, and yeah. that's all they need to know, honestly. You're a long-form artist, is what I like to say. <laughs> storyteller. Long-form storyteller. storyteller <laughs> Absolutely. Get it right. Uh, well, that's pretty good. I find having to explain my profession to anyone usually takes like multiple <laughs> attempts. No one really understands this, and it's too much. I, I, I don't blame them. There, it really shouldn't be a job. But here what we are talking. To carpenters. <laughs> <laughs> 
here we are talking on a Wednesday night about uh, a pretty good slate here. Um, we're going to get into uh, the suspension handed down by the NBA to John Morant. We're going to get to the earlier game, the Sixers and the Cavaliers. But let's start with the event of the evening. Clippers 134, Warriors 126. Uh, Steph Curry had 50. And then the Warriors lost uh, their ninth straight loss on the road. I thought J.J. Redick on the broadcast kind of summed it up nicely. Uh, the Warriors played reasonably well. I didn't think it was like a, one of these just farts of a game that the Warriors tend to to throw up on the road. I just think that the Clippers, when they're fully operational, when Kawhi is playing as well as he has of late, are just really damn hard to beat. Rob, what do you think about this one? I mean, it was a great game, first of all. Like, neither of these teams could really guard each other, which means we get to have a ball on our couch on a Wednesday night. Great, great way to spend the evening. But, yeah, it's a little concerning that this is the second time this season Steph has dropped 50 and the Warriors have lost. That's yeah. kind of where they are. And, honestly, I would love to put it all at the feet of their defense, which has been lagging for the majority of the season. But, Steph aside, they weren't really great offensively either. Like, the stuff that he was able to generate was transcendent, but this wasn't Clay's best game. Draymond's inability to convert like little flip shots around the rim really hurt that, them. That push shot that he almost airballed was nasty. That was tough, you know? They really needed something, and Jordan Poole at times thought he was that something, and that's its own kind of issue. <sighs> they just don't have enough right now to keep up with a team like the Clippers, and, and the Clippers are a team that, as we have seen in this game and others, will give up explosive scoring nights to their opponents, and yet... If you have Paul George, if you have Kawhi Leonard, if you dominate the offensive glass, you're just going to beat a team like Golden State. Yeah, I, man, <laughs> I, I texted some Warriors buddies. Um, I said, Jordan Poole, um, colon, primary ball handler. Not my favorite movie. I, I just, no. it was just nasty at times to see him as the initiator of offense for them. It was just turnover after turnover. And he's so loose with his handle these days. And he's like, it's almost like he's throwing the ball behind his back. And I'm just like, this is not a guy who's playing with the ball on the string. And he's not, he's, he's frankly miscast in that role. And, and some of the things that struck me, you know, they, they put a graphic up that Andrew Wiggins led the team in rebounds in the NBA finals against a team that was way more physically bigger than they are, and they needed him to do so. And, and that stuck in my mind tonight as they were just getting worked on the offensive glass. I think the Clippers had something like 25 offensive rebounds. And it's not as if last year this team was way bigger. They weren't. Um, they just found it when they absolutely needed it as far as defensive stops and, you know, squeezing it after those stops. So that really stuck with me. Just the lack of athleticism and size against the Clippers tonight with Zub would just park. He just planted himself oh, yeah. in the paint and said, I'm going to get every single rebound. Even if I don't, I'm going to tip it to guys. It was tough. Yeah, the Wiggins absence is slowly becoming just the biggest story here. I think for a while, everyone was waiting for him to return to really make this team whole. That was what we were expecting to click for this team. And all of a sudden, they'd flip the switch and be right back where they were. Now he's missed 13 games, I believe, straight uh, for personal reasons. And more concerning uh, is that we don't know why. And there are now stories coming out about, like, why don't we know why? Clearly, something is going on. Uh, but the the organization is being pretty protective of him. I don't know if we're going to get him 
before the end of the season. I don't know if we're going to get him in the playoffs. And if they don't, I, I don't know where this team is going to get that extra defender they need, that third offensive player, that safety valve that they desperately need. Well, and maybe it wouldn't be as big an issue if Gary Payton II were ready yep. to play. And maybe it wouldn't be as big an issue if Andre Iguodala didn't basically just have season or isn't about to have what is effectively season-ending wrist surgery. That might help, actually. <laughs> I, well, you know, like, I'm, we're within a week of him throwing down reverse dunks. Like, he's started to look pretty good when he was out there. It's just, you know, he's not, he's not his younger self, and that's who they need. Like, they need a young, spry, big wing defender who they can throw at guys like Kawhi and Paul George. Because we saw on both sides of the ball in this game, just the disparity in that size you're talking about was, it's not just Zoo, it's 6'8 and 6'9 wings yes. pulling Steph into pick and roll and making him defend. Yes. And, and that's the thing, especially that third quarter where Eric Gordon goes crazy and it's like, dude, he's, he's taking practice level three-pointers, right? And that's because... The Clippers' wings, whether it be Kawhi or Paul George or shit, even sometimes Terrence Mann, they're getting into the teeth of the defense, drawing all kinds of help, and just simple drive and kick for, like, we're not talking about open, wide open. Eric Gordon is a great shooter. He's not just a good shooter. He is a great spot-up shooter from range, right? And that's the guy they're leaving completely open because they got to plug holes from drives from the perimeter. So it's like, man, the old Clay Thompson was kind of quick enough and strong enough to do a credible job against the Kawhi Leonard's and the Paul George's of the world. And hell, in 2016, he did a number on Russell Westbrook, as a matter of fact, in the Western Conference Finals. Um, I don't think he has it anymore to give. Right now, it feels like it's Kaminga. And I think Draymond can credibly do it on a switch. But it's like, if Draymond is guarding your perimeter guy, who's down there boxing out the bigs? Who's trying to help, you know, corral rebounds? It's Their defense is, is, is it's a dilemma right now. And we saw it with some of the lineup a disparity between these two teams too, right? Like there were times where because of the lineup that the two teams had out, Draymond was on ball against Paul George. That's not what the Warriors need or want <laughs> yeah. by by any means, as you're saying, not just because of the rebounding, but it's putting your best defender in a bad position from the jump. Like he's good switching into guard Paul George, but as the primary on Paul George, that's that's a nightmare. That That's a bad premise for a defensive possession. It, yeah, Draymond, he can do that at the end of a game. If it comes down to like these huge possessions and Draymond is the one who ends up on Kawhi or Paul George, that's fine. But throughout the course of the game, when the guy who is both your starting power forward and backup center, like he can't he can't be tasked with doing that. Draymond not going to be doing that in the next game because he got his 16th tech in this game. So <laughs> he will not be traveling to Atlanta for the next game. Um, I wouldn't even send Steph to that game. I would just chalk that up as a loss. Maybe just like let Jordan Poole take 30 shots. Maybe he gets it out of the system and and play another day. But man, it's getting increasingly dicey. I mean, it get, I guess it is for pretty much like two thirds, even three quarters of the Western Conference teams at this point. But the Warriors are in sixth place at 36 and 34, but they're only two games above the Lakers who are in 10th. Like, I don't think the Warriors are going to fall completely out of the play-in, but like darkest timeline, realistic timeline, it could happen. And that's really fucking scary and disappointing for a team that has Steph Curry playing at this level at 35 years old. 
let's wait and see. Like, you know, it, if Steph plays, he is capable of these games. And if anything, we have glossed over the fact that he had yeah. one of the best scoring performances of the season. He made multiple layups in this game with his body parallel to the ground, just fully <laughs> horizontal. His, his ability to drive off of the Clippers guarding him was sensational. And they were top-locking him from the beginning of this game. He was seeing playoff-caliber defense, A-team yeah. defense, Kawhi and Paul George right off the top. The Clippers were not messing around, and he was just cutting back door. And if they guarded him for the pull-up, he was driving, and he was finishing, and he was getting around anyone he needed to get around. So as long as that Steph is on the floor, and he pretty much has been that guy every game he's played this season, or at least the vast majority of them, you just can't count them out. You know They're going to lose some of these games, but you, you just can't. Listen, Steph is getting verticality blocks to send a game into overtime, and they're just <laughs> barely beating the Giannis list bucks. Like he's doing everything humanly possible in order yeah. to make this work. The problem is he's doing all of that and they're just getting by or losing these games. Like again, I don't I don't think they're gonna fall out of the play, and they probably won't even fall out of the top six, honestly, considering the way some of these teams are playing on this night. Like the Lakers didn't play AD and they lost to the Rockets, which was an interesting decision. Uh, but it's <laughs> just I, I can't get behind the, the Warriors as a, as a flip switch team. I've been saying this for a while. Yeah. I just I, I'm just not buying that. Like there's going to be a second wind here that's going to just thrust them into the finals yet again. Yeah, they they need Wiggins to come back from his extended absence. Um, whatever. I, that's all I'll say about that. And they I, I absolutely need Gary Payton to to also come back as soon as possible. Well, why don't we look at the other side of this? Because despite my better judgment, despite the fact that we've had this conversation 90 times already this season, <laughs> I cannot help myself from thinking that the Clippers might have something here, man. Like Kawhi is in T-1000 mode. He's been like that for what? Two, three months at this point. And when he's in that flow... God damn, this team looks so good. And I can't help myself, especially the way the, that the West is shaking out at the top where it feels like every semblance of a contender keeps dropping for one losing streak, for one off-the-court issue or whatnot. It's like, it's there for the taking. The Clippers might be, dare I say, best position to take advantage of it. Wow. I, I don't know if I'm willing to go that far, nah, but at least, you know, <laughs> they are deep enough that Marcus Morris can suplex his way out of this game and they just keep it moving. Like, they, they really don't need a lot of their role players night to night. They can plug and play. You know, Zoo had a great game, but if he didn't, Mason Plumlee has had really good games for them. Eric Gordon, this has been maybe his best game as a Clipper so yeah, far. Definitely. And honestly, as far as the Russell Westbrook experience goes, <laughs> this was a pretty nice proof of concept of him as basically like a special teams player. Transition weapon, offensive rebounder, dribble handoff, screener, roller. Like, that's what he is. And it, he's kind of irrelevant to the main action Most, in that that's sense. That's what I was about to say. Most importantly, <laughs> stay out of the game with five minutes left. If it's close, don't come near my court. Thank you. But when he was in there, he was doing rust things. He was getting to the basket. He was a monster on the offensive boards, which I thought huge. was huge for them. Uh, he was he was good in this game. He was effective in how Ty Lue deployed him, which was nice. I loved what Terrence Mann was doing off of the bench, um, attacking the Warriors guards. He was like, these guys are too small to guard me and straight up just attack them relentlessly. And in transition, he's always been that's always been his one of his strong suits, his transition game, even as a rookie. 
he was good at that kind of stuff. So Terrence Mann definitely got me excited. And yeah, Kawhi looks great. Um, I, I look, I, I don't want to nitpick, but there's certain things that happens on the gather when he drives to the basket that's not quite the the Kawhi of old, where he's like literally taking the two steps and jumping off of two feet. And I'm like, okay, I can see where he's been been affected, but the guy is so ruthlessly efficient in all of his movement. And you know, he, you give him even a, a a little bit of fragment of space. And he's canning stuff. So yeah, the Kawhi stuff is encouraging. I'm I'm still very skeptical of this team overall, but against the Warriors tonight, they made them look small. Yep. Um, and that's how you beat Golden State. You just out physical them to death and pound them into oblivion. And that's what happened. Kawhi really does get a lot of benefit of the doubt on that separation. In the same way that once oh you my, was, that off arm, I mean, have mercy, it's it's ruthless. But it, it's in the way that like once a guy establishes himself as having great footwork, they can get yeah. away with traveling all the time. And Kawhi has established his reputation that he can create separation, and he's so strong, and he will maneuver you where he needs you to be. That now, when he is a half step slow or you know a little bit impacted, as you said, was you know, we're just going to kind of look the other way that he's shoving guys off with one arm sometimes. And that, that's what it's going to be. It's not really a criticism. He's just, this is just how he is allowed this to This is play. how he has, to, and this is how he has to do it, you know? Yeah. I, I can hear the optimism just peeking through the clouds there, Rob, when you're saying that. <laughs> I mean, you I want to believe. I have tried to sell you guys on the Clippers periodically <laughs> through this season, and then they'll go like one of five afterwards. So I, I just don't know what to do with them anymore. Listen, so as we're recording this, the Nuggets have lost four in a row. They're still way above all these other teams uh, in the Western Conference standings. Four and a half above the Kings who are in second. The Kings, great story. Don't believe in them as a playoff team. I don't think you guys necessarily disagree. The Grizzlies, kind of in disarray uh, post-Morant. I don't know how they are get they? back together. Oh, they're back, apparently. Everything's... Hunky dory. <laughs> we'll talk about that later, but they got absolutely blown to smithereens against the uh, uh, the Heat tonight. And then who else? The Suns, Durant. What are we getting from him in the playoffs? Is he going to come back before the regular season? I don't know. It's just like it's there for the taking in a way that I don't remember ever seeing anything like this. And so, why not the Clippers? I ask. We might have to start asking that question in earnest, like repeatedly every night, <laughs> if the rest of it keeps going this way. And in particular, if Denver loses to Detroit tomorrow on Thursday, we, we might have to slam the alarm. Like we might have to have some real conversations about what's happening to the Nuggets because they look injured. They look bored, disinterested, yes. disengaged. I, very hard to parse exactly what is happening there, but they are in an extremely bad way right now. And if they're trying to if, tank the MVP for Jokic, <laughs> apparently so <laughs> trying to get out of the discourse. But if that's, a, I mean, look, I would be very thankful if we can get out of that discourse. But <laughs> if they are a more complicated pick as the top team in the West, certainly the door is open for teams like the Clippers. Like it's, it feels wide open. The, the West is, it's messy, man. It's all kinds of messy. Waz, who do you believe in the most in the West right now? Um, I mean, not I don't. The, not who's playing the best. Not who like will be the like who do you, who, who do in your I heart believe, of heart? Yeah, who do you yeah. believe in the most? I it's 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 Denver for me because most most of their guys are generally healthy. They don't have Wiggins who's out 
with a mystery situation that nobody is apparently allowed to talk about. Um, you know, look, the KD ankle, I get it. He's KD. He's, he, allegedly, he's going to come back and be incredible. But I watched how Golden State punked those dudes the other day. I get it. KD is important. He's their best player. But I, I don't see how you can see Phoenix as some great shakes. Memphis is Memphis. None of y'all believe in the Kings. Come on now. <laughs> Let's be serious. So, like, I don't see why Denver is this, this horrible, you know, alternative. Because in the dog days, while they're still comfortably the number one seed home court advantage in their conference, they've lost a few games. I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Just look at the, just look at the other candidates. What do, come on, man. That's why I wonder if the Clippers, a team that is built to peak right now and carry that into the playoffs. They have all this fucking depth to the point where they don't even play Robert Covington and Bones Highland and all these other, other teams. Why not the Clippers? I don't, I don't know. I'm increasingly becoming convinced by, if only because they're just, there isn't much else out there to really believe in. I mean, like a week ago, they lost five straight games. That's, <laughs> that's why that's not, what they do. You know? They gave, <laughs> they gave up 176 points to the Kings, the, the Listen, team that you like, think is no great shakes, and we're just like writing up. They lost to the Kings twice. Two weeks ago, the Pelicans were like leading the West, and now they <laughs> they might get Victor Webanyama straight up, not from the Lakers. Like, I have no idea what to do with this anymore. Um, the West Rob, is who, a mess. Who do you believe in the most? You're going to say Denver. Ask me after the Pistons game tomorrow. I, I really, I really don't have the heart to say it. And then, wow! Like, by the way, the confidence is shaken. I, I gotta say this too uh, concerning Memphis. Like, I was definitely up here. Like, yeah, Dallas is clearly better than them and better positioned and all of this and all of that. And Dallas has been a complete and utter it's the, <laughs> a freaking train wreck. Since we last did that pod, and at least Memphis has shown some signs of life without Ja. It's just every time you think you have this conference pegged, you you straight up don't. It's Thunder? it's, it's foolhardy. Yeah, let's just, let's just go ahead and like get get the beta test going on the Thunder or the third best team in the Western Conference take. Cause it's look, it's in the ether. We're all thinking it. I love that Thunder team, man. I can't stop watching them play. They're so good. Yeah, man. I get so giddy. Um, all right, why don't we uh, giddy? There you go. That was, huh? Huh? <laughs> you should you should have let it breathe. Calling it out Jesus just makes it worse. Christ. <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's flip to the East now. Uh, Sixers one eighteen, Cavs one oh nine. A game that went down to the stretch and very well might have gotten away from uh, the Sixers if a call for, uh, follow call on Embiid wasn't reversed. That would have uh, sent him to the bench for the rest of the game here. Um, but despite that. I have to say, I've been increasingly just, I've become increasingly encouraged by the way that the Sixers always respond to adversity. You saw that in a couple times in this game where the Cavs would would mount to come back and then all of a sudden the Sixers would push back, 8-0 run sort of thing. Uh, th- things could have gotten away from them after the whole Embiid foul call and then reversal thing. It didn't and they won the game. And I'm kind of just like, I don't know what to do with my hands sort of situation where it's like the Sixers are actually good at overcoming adversity now. Rob, is this weird to you as well? Yeah, they're almost more like resilient than they are disciplined, if that makes sense. Like this was a very sloppy game by the Sixers. Mm -hmm. 
very poorly executed for long stretches and in a way that does make it more encouraging because they won anyway. Like they were just bigger and stronger and faster and had better touch than the Cavs in some matchups. And a lot of that was Joel, especially in the first half. But like Maxi blowing by guys. Harden had like a nice balanced game as well. They were not good for extended stretches of this game and they just kind of made it work. And that is encouraging because they're going to have ugly games. They're going to have games where they're pushed out of their element in the playoffs, certainly. And they're going to have to find a way to convert some of them. And that has been Joel's superpower this season. In addition to just being out and out one of the best players in the league, he's been great in some of those crunch time situations. He's been great in those like critical third quarter runs. We really need to put something together here. He can he can rattle off a couple buckets in a row. It's amazing what having a guy like that can do to fall back on, even even when he starts getting a little sloppy or a little loose with the ball. Like at the end of the day, you have Joel Embiid. And if he's not getting called for a sixth foul, you're going to win a game like this. Yeah, I liked this this game for them was the timely stops, right? That they could put together. It's not just that you get a stop, because sometimes you get a stop, you gave up an open shot. And the guy just missed. I thought they were making it tough on Cleveland to generate offense down the stretch. And if so, if they can be, you know, extremely stingy on that end in big spots and just be like, you know what? Joel is one of the two or three best scorers in the league right now. And we have him on the other end and can figure out other ways between Harden and Maxi to generate great shots. I, you got to like that for them because it's to me, it starts with that. That's where they're going to make their hay is by actually living up to the defensive talent and reputation of the guys on their team, like Joel, like PJ. Um, you know, th- those guys are what's going to be what holds this whole defense together. And so tonight I saw them do that. You know, they were switching it up, getting into zones, you know, changing up looks and yeah. just making it tough. On on um on the Cavs and and that was highly encouraging for me. Yeah, some shenanigans too with Embiid guarding like Lamar Stevens and yep. Isaac Okoro. You know, really mixing up the matchups uh, to the point like Tobias Harris is guarding like Donovan Mitchell on ball in in some of these situations. It is a weird matchup for PJ Tucker for that reason. There isn't like a natural place to put him, so he ended right. up guarding Evan Mobley a lot. Uh, so that'll be interesting, especially if these two teams meet in the playoffs. But they did find enough stops at the end of the day. Like, they did find enough ways to gum it up to the point that, you know, Karis LeVert had a really nice game. But other than that, every other Cavalier was kind of come and go, scoring-wise. Yeah, and we should mention that Jarrett Allen didn't play in this game because of an eye contusion. Uh, Donovan Mitchell also had, I guess, like a middle finger issue that he's been battling. Finger sprain, they called it on the broadcast. Seems like that one might be something to to tuck away in your back pocket for the foreseeable, though I don't know how he's going to overcome that while playing through it. Um, So they did play small on the Sixers, and it did seem to befuddle the Sixers a little bit at times. And you know they they made they had a big Karis LeVert game, so some some like oddball things happened there. But so these teams are are on a collision course for the playoffs. We'll see if the mighty Knickerbockers can can disrupt that, or maybe the the Heat now with Jimmy Butler scoring thirty a game and playing Nickelback in the uh, the locker room can can join the party here. But um, did you see anything in this one, Rob, that maybe like led you to believe that the Cavs? can get the edge on the Sixers in a series with a healthy Allen, or is this more proof of concept of, of the Sixers as a bona fide like, playoff team? No, I think there were a couple things that the Cavs could take as kind of like if this is the first punch in the matchup, 
And now you're looking at what the responses are going to be. We even saw some of them in this game. And you mentioned it, like they're swarming defense around Embiid first half to second half, and especially first half to third quarter, dramatically different. And some of that is like early in this game, this, the Cavs guards just like could not stop fouling Joel Embiid. Every time they dug down, they were swiping. It was a disaster. Having Allen back will be a big deal because like having Allen as your primary and Mobley is the help guy against Embiid yes. is dramatically different than Darius Garland being the help guy against Embiid. <laughs> Just gonna, especially, just, especially considering Joel has never been known for a deft double team handler, <laughs> you know, like you, you mean his, that hook pass out of bounds over the backboard <laughs> wasn't wasn't clean. <laughs> that's been his his sort of kryptonite for a while now, and so yeah, those kind of doubles with those two bigs make a world of difference than you know the five foot eleven point guard for sure. Yeah, I mean, because there were times where when the Cavs were double and triple teaming Embiid in the first half, he w- he had no space, he had no angle, and he was just making his space and making his angle and scoring anyway. He did phenomenal work against double and triple, just scoring against them in the first half. I think that works pretty differently when it's Allen and Mobley together. So that part would would give me some promise if I if I were the Cavs, but also Darius Garland's approach to this game. Did not have a great game on balance. Ended up with 15 points, made like a third of his shots, four turnovers. Not a great Darius Garland game. But you could see early in it, he was pretty tentative and then pretty rushed when he would try to attack and beat off the dribble. Like he just did not know what yeah, to he do. He doesn't, he didn't, yeah. <laughs> Very intimidated. Very intimidated. And in the third quarter, I think he had a bit of a breakthrough in terms of fig- like actually playing a little bit of cat and mouse with Embiid, figuring out where his spots and what his angles are and what he needs to do to create space on those little floaters and runners in the lane. I thought he had some really good bursts of this game in a way that like once you put that on film and put it in front of him and say, we need more of this. Like, that's a young guy putting him through the paces, you know? Like, that—that that is what his development through this run is going to have to be. Well, I don't know if you guys caught a glimpse of the Celtics game as this game was ongoing. I caught the end of it. Um, the Celtics are also going through a, a bit of a, a crisis here. I don't know if we're in necessarily Nuggets crisis. territory. But on the other hand, they still don't have Robert Williams. Joe Mazzulla talked about it before the game. He might be another week or two out. And we've seen this all happen before. When he comes back, maybe he plays in one or two games in a row, and then he's gone for three more. I'm increasingly becoming concerned in part because of that. Yes, they won this game, but they're four and eight over their, or excuse me, four and five over their past nine. Uh, Jason Tatum has been floating in and out. It hasn't been great. And so I'm wondering why is like, can Philly almost leap into that second spot? If not in the standings, they're one game back now. Um, but it just in terms of like for doing the confidence meter yet again, like, do you, we, I think we all believe in the Bucks. Do you, are you starting to believe in the Sixers more than the Celtics or, or is your heart still bleeding green? Hell no. I don't believe in the Sixers <laughs> more than the Celtics. That's, that's an absurdity. Uh, the, look, the team went to the finals last year and for what? 85% of the season, they've been like incredible they've been a formidable team i'm i'm going to allow them the grace to you know look bad for a 10 game stretch like it's okay 
It's not like they're falling into the play-in game or something crazy like that or out of home court in the first half. I mean, the first round of the playoffs. I think they're going to be fine. It's a long-ass season. And, you know, these guys can't trick themselves into thinking these games are as big as the playoffs, especially this group that's been together and has made deep runs, the lot of them. And together, right? And so I, I I don't begrudge them the the idea that they might lose focus, you know, and be like, oh, they should be gunning for 60 wins. And it's like, should they? Like, they got to the freaking summit of the sport and came this close to taking home a championship. So I'm, no, I haven't lost any confidence. I'm damn sure not chucking it out the window so I could grab the confidence in James Harden <laughs> <laughs> in the playoffs that's that's an absurdity i will say it's it's a little more than 10 games at this point like the 10 games sure. are are bad yeah everything since january has been eh. Eh. like yeah, sure. i'm i'm raising an eyebrow a lot of games at the offense specifically there's just enough warning signs between the way their shooting has kind of leveled out the way that like you look at the rotation and some nights, especially Tatum, like if he isn't performing at the MVP level he was early in the season, I think that was hiding and masking some of their limitations rotation wide. Yeah, I, I think that's where I net out not only the Robert Williams issue, which we should mention big part of their success. Significant. Yeah. Yeah. Last postseason uh, on that big second half run they had last season that propelled them into the finals. Um, it's just like some of those ancillary guys that you could count on to be there all the time. You can't really count on like Marcus Smart of like in addition to whatever Marcus Smart does on any given night and maybe get thrown out and fight with Trey Young or whatever the hell he's doing at that time like he's not really making the the the, the connective tissue plays that he used to like Derek White uh you know after his torrid run he'll have a game like tonight where he wasn't particularly good like Grant Williams just isn't a good rotation player anymore, I guess. It's just like a lot of those like third and fourth and fifth guys that you can count on and that 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 like real depth of the wing depth that they've counted on to really like build their identity starting to look a little shakier than before, in particular in a game like this where Anthony Edwards, who will put a lot of teams on their heels, but you'd expect a veteran NBA finals participant like the Celtics to stand up to that. And and really kind of overwhelm him. And, the, and it was kind of the opposite way where Edwards kind of had his way this game. I'm, I'm not surprised that Anthony Edwards could look like a great player um, on a give in a given night against even somebody with the t a team with the talent, especially on the defensive end, on the wings, particularly even these guys who have it can be, you know, can look average against the guy with the talent of Anthony Edwards. Again, and, and I think another thing that happens, we mentioned the offense where they come out and they're making threes at a just insane pace. They're number one in the NBA um, on offense. Um, and it, obviously that's tapered off as the shooting has come back down to earth. I mean, to me, like when this team took off last year, it's because they were setting records on defense. And oftentimes we can we see this like when teams become yo I, my identity is offense we're this scoring group now the defense will suffer because they feel like that's not they don't have to hang their hats on that to achieve um success anymore so i'm not surprised by any of this but i know it's within this this specific group and core it's not a golden state where it's older guys 
right, who are lacking in athleticism and energy as they get older. These guys are still young and in the prime of their athletic peaks. So I, 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 I have a confidence that they can find it within them to play quality defense. The Marcus Smart defense, I talked about it on Bill's podcast today. That's been very, very concerning for sure. But overall, man, these guys are going to guard people, I think. And the offense will be good enough. They're absolutely capable of it. I think at relative to the Sixers, kind of where these teams are right now, the Celtics look good more often than the Sixers do. The Sixers look great more often than the Celtics do. Like they have the big, they have had some huge, that game against the Bucks, case in point, that was a huge game, huge performance, huge win that the Sixers had. They've had games like that against lesser opponents, times where they just look unstoppable, where Embiid looks unstoppable offensively in particular. I haven't seen that from Boston in a long time. And if they need that gear to even get out of the second round, potentially, that could be a problem for Boston. More concerning right now, Nuggets or Celtics? Nuggets. Wow. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be the Nuggets again. They they were two games from the championship, guys. This these players, <laughs> and they've and we all agree that they've improved upon the talent of that team. So yeah, I I gotta be say the Nuggets defense. Which, you know, there's just been times where it's just, you know, highly concerning. That That's definitely a bigger question mark than Boston, man. You know, these guys have done, they put some some performances up when it's counted the most very recently. There have been times in the last week where the only advantage the Nuggets had defensively was the art of confusion because there were so many guys you could target in a given game. It's like, do we want to attack Jokic? Do we want to attack Murray, who's looking really slow right now? Do we want to just like run things at Michael Porter or Bruce Brown, who are like not tracking well in this game? They got problems. And their bench has not come together as some people might have expected, me in particular. Like I thought those additions would coalesce a little more quickly. They have not yet. They still have a ton to figure out for their second unit, in addition to some of their first unit def- defense stuff kind of falling apart in some of these games. Shocking that DeAndre Jordan wasn't the answer. Well, to, we're hoping uh, we're hoping Thomas Bryant would be the answer. Yeah, I, I know, but it, I don't think any of them have, have really done much. Um, well, I mean, to the earlier point, the Celtics are going to have the tougher road to get out of the conference just because the Bucks are there, the Sixers are there. So for that reason, maybe you give a slight edge to the Nuggets. But like, if you were to do title tiers right now, is it the Bucks and then everyone else? I think in Justin Verrier fashion, it's the Bucks in one tier, like three <laughs> blank tiers, and then we're getting into Nuggets and Celtics and everybody else. I, I kind of think I agree. Maybe I might add a, a one, one or two more blank tier in between, but <laughs> was I, I'm I'm I, I can agree with that right now. If we're you know, I, it's one of those things. Just like if the playoffs started right now, yep. even though they don't. But if the playoffs started right now, sure, I would be amendable to that idea that the Bucks are, you know, sort of in a tier by themselves. Because right now, if we power rank these guys, clearly the Bucks have been the better team of the over the last 2022 games, right? Like that's that's obvious that, that that's the case. I think when April rolls around, I think things would be a little bit more even. And I would put all of these teams in. You know, I I guess my my anxiety would be around putting the Sixers 
with the Bucks, with the Celtics, with even Denver. That would be where I would get a little bit anxious, where it's like, man, am I really counting on these guys to be, to execute in the postseason? It's it's tough. So is the tier the Bucks, 25 blank tiers, then the Celtics <laughs> on their own tier? Like, I guess what I'm wondering, what what's the next tier look like? Like, is it the Celtics and the Nuggets? Is it the Celtics, Nuggets, and Sixers? Yeah, I think the difference, may, like, there is a bit of separation between the Bucks and the Celtics and the Nuggets. Pro- probably less. We are overstating for effect. Yes. I think the bigger difference might be the rest of the field catching up to the Nuggets and the Celtics, right? Like, I, we can make an argument for the Sixers. Obviously, the Suns, by acquiring Katie, have vaulted themselves into this conversation if he's even remotely healthy and out there. Uh, we, you know, we can talk ourselves into the Clippers on the right night, right? Like the fact that we're even grouping Justin those teams in that. there. I, I can't. <laughs> you can't, yes. <laughs> Look, and Terrence Mann we trust, okay? I'm, I'm, I... Love Terrence Mann. I'm susceptible to a little bit of Clippers optimism, I have to admit. Yeah, I just, it's more of a mess at this time of the year than I can ever remember is all. And maybe like the answer is like the Bucks are clear cut title like chip like favorites and then they're gonna win but i don't know that there is anything close to some clear-cut anything i like i've we've done this so many times the bucks are gonna have some ugly ass games in april and may it's just what they do hell yeah they are was i can't wait (laughs) i'm gonna live in the slop i can't wait Uh, it's funny because i was talking to um bill uh and and house and Brooke, Brooke Lopez came up, you know, I was basically like, look, I think Rudy can figure out how to change his defense in the same way that Brooke Lopez did. But like 2019 was four years ago when Brooke Lopez would literally just refuse to leave the paint. It took four years for him to realize. And by the way, there were moments against Boston in that Kyrie series. Remember, like, Boston ended up beating them the one time, and it was all these wide-ass open shots from three because the Bucks refused to change their defense. Up. They, like, they did that for four years. Okay, in, <laughs> in, Brooke's de- in Brooke's defense, I think he was told to stay there. No, no, for sure, for sure. I'm just saying, that's my point with the Bucks. Like, this idea that they're just gonna run away from anybody with anything, I just... I. That's not the nature of that team. Yep. <laughs> I don't think Brooke has ever run away from anybody his entire life. So. Hey, he's, shuff- <laughs> he's shuffling. He's doing his best. He's moving yeah. around out there. He will fight your your third string power forward on any given night, but uh, I don't think he's he's beating anybody in a foot race. Um, why don't we take a break quickly, and then and then we can talk about this Morant situation. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida, we'll be in New York, we want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. Fuel up for game day and any day, really, at Sonic. For a limited time, you can get the new $1.99 Sonic Crispy Tender Wraps. And trust me, you don't want to miss out. A crispy chicken tender 
and bold flavors like hickory barbecue and cheesy Baja. Crisp lettuce and melty cheese that make the perfect bite. So go get yourself some TLC, some tender love and chicken. And buy a $1.99 Sonic Crispy Chicken Tinder Wrap today. Tax not included. Limited time only at participated Sonic drive-ins. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerMBA. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerMBA right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. So the NBA made their decision today, Wednesday afternoon on, on the John Morant suspension. So he had been away for now six games uh, from the team after brandishing a gun on, on an Instagram live video. And uh, we got a report from ESPN that he went to counseling and so on. Today, we get the report that the NBA itself suspended him for eight games, but that includes the six that he already missed, which means that he is eligible to return in now five days. Uh, and and it doesn't seem like he will play in that game next Monday or Tuesday. I forgot what it was. But it's it, this is what we have. The, the, the investigation didn't like show up any new e- evidence uh, that there was a gun brought on a plane or in a team facility. That seems to be a big sticking point. But I don't know. Was what do you think about just just the fallout here? Do you think like the suspension was justified? Do you think it was enough time? Um where are you on this whole thing? I think justified or not, I'm happy that the league office actually rendered a judgment here. For once, they actually had a clear judgment. 8 games. Well, this is conduct detrimental to the league, its image, um, the partnerships that the league has. This guy put that in jeopardy for the league, punished him for eight games. Thank you. Good. A guy can serve his suspension. He can come back having paid his debt to NBA society, and we can move on with our lives. Very happy about that. Thank you, Adam Silver, for doing something for once. Now, the other side of this, I'm supposed to, what what am I supposed to do with this? Reiki, anxiety, uh, like you felt anxious, so you went on IG Live and brandished a weapon. You felt anxious, so you and your boys are knocking 17-year-olds over the head in your crib. Or Allegedly. you're threatening people at the mall. And like that's anxiety. We're not gonna, we don't need to delve into all of that because look, I, I don't know this guy's medicals. I'm not his doctor. I'm not gonna pretend that nothing's wrong with him or whatever. The stuff that's going on, the stuff that they're lining up with what he's gotten in trouble with, they don't seem to make sense to me. However, obviously they felt like it was a need the way this stuff gets covered now that they gotta throw with this mental health stuff, you know, retreat. Therapy, all of that. What I would submit to people is this. I know we're in an era of just hyper-judgment, hyper-analyzing the most minute, mundane things about public people 
I would just submit to people this idea. He's 23 and he was fucking up. Young guy doing boneheaded shit and he'll probably mature and do much better. And for me, all of this corporate, climbing the corporate ladder, oh, I'm now the face of the league. Oh, I got a Nike shoe. Oh, and I'm supposed to care about that type of shit as opposed to this dude's beating people up. He's packing. Maybe the next people that he tries to beat up might feel like they got to shoot him to defend themselves. Maybe if people are encountering you and they think you're somebody who's constantly going to commit violence against them, that they might do that to you and he might seriously endanger himself. I hope that he's learned from this and doesn't do that. That's what I'm thinking about. But like all this other shit, man, eight games. Yeah, come back and hoop. Like, thank you. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this. Yeah, just to clarify the timeline here too. So on March 4th, the early hours of the morning is when he goes on IG Live with the gun. It's reported on March 13th that at some point he's entered into this counseling program in Florida. Right. Today on the 15th, he is in New York out of the program meeting with Adam Silver, prearranged sit-down interview with Jalen Rose and ESPN. If you want to give him the maximum benefit of the doubt here, he spent like 10 days in this counseling program. I'm not here, like, I think this is where, you know, it, it may sound like we are mocking the idea of a guy like trying to address his mental health. We're not. Because if anything, like the idea that he is using that as his excuse, and like, I want to read an exact quote to you from Ja in this Jalen Rose interview on ESPN. We've only had excerpts to this point, so maybe there's some context that changes the meaning of this. This is what we have right now. Quote Ja Morant, I'm a totally different person than what's been shown in the media. That's my job now. That's why I took that time away to become a better Ja. So everybody can really see who Ja really is and you know what he's about. This guy was away for 10 days. Like, I don't know how much of a better job you're supposed to become in 10 days. I don't know what kind of work you could possibly do to recontextualize your life or whatever would lead you to this point and to do some, make some of these mistakes and do some of these things. But if anything, the idea of using the counseling program or using mental health as a shield to me, makes a mockery of the guys who are trying to deal with that stuff, who are trying to do those things. And on some level, that's a positive, right? Like dealing with mental health issues has reached a level of credibility societally that we do take it seriously. And that sometimes there are no further explanations or answers needed. I want, I like, I don't want Ja to sit out a bunch of games. I just don't want him to pretend like the reason he can play now is because he took a long weekend in Florida and acquired all the tools he needs. By the way, I can believe that Ja Morant suffers from issues of anxiety and all of this stuff. However, I don't have to believe that that's why him and his boys are beating people up in public. Uh, that like I, I don't I don't see why those things two things have to go hand in hand as far as I, I'm concerned. And you know, again, it, the league gave meted out a punishment, and he's meeting it, and I'm happy for that. And, you know, and, and to Rob's point, I, I kind of do think in 10 days after the world comes down on you for some of the stupid shit you've been doing over the years that you realize that the stuff that you were doing is maybe 50 times dumber than you initially thought in the moment. I really do think you can learn that in 10 days. That's fair. Especially as a young person. Um, for, like, man. You worked for Don Draper on, in that retreat. <laughs> Came up with the Coke ad. John Morant got a Powerade ad. 
It all works out. <laughs> it did seem notable that in the broadcast uh, bits we've seen of this interview with Jalen Rose so far, that, that Nike is front and center on the shirt, that Nike is front and center on the John Moran jacket. Bruh. The, it's the, all very the, orchestrated. And the, I think the, that the is Nike, what we're The against. nice yes. little clean outfit, no chains, the hair coloring out the dreads. I mean, this is just classic PR spin, but whatever. The, the thing about it, though, the reason why I have to be less sort of annoyed by this is that it actually fucking works. People eat this stuff up. They yeah. love a contrite, oh, the public figure has been brought low and he's come to finally show us that he's got his hat in hand and he's been humbled and he's, they, people eat that crap up. And so as much as I want to mock it, it fucking works. You can't argue with the results, man. Yeah, that's kind of where I net out as well. I wonder for people like us who are, are heavily involved in this and even just like fans who are just deeply involved in the NBA. I think you could look at this with a bit of skew and be like, this all seems very put on. This this was all theatrical and and there's a lot to really poke at here to make you wonder like how much of this was just for show, right? On the other hand, like if it works, more power to them and like, I, I think everyone ended up in a good place here. I don't think he should have been suspended for some crazy amount of games. No. Me neither. Uh, Hell no. no. Absolutely if, not. If just saying you're sorry and going to Florida for a couple of days makes everyone happy, I think this has ended up in the best possible place. I mean, the thing is, the reason why John Morant is meeting with Adam Silver is because he is a tremendously important player for the league, right? This yeah. is not something that, you know, your workaday role player who was in a parallel incident, this is not a big, as big a story because they're not as, as important to their team. They're Nobody not as big of a celebrity. It may not even register in the same way. But the reason why this merits special attention is that John Morant, like the league is betting on the fact that he is going to be an incredibly long-lasting, very effective basketball player, an incredibly charismatic star, currently in a small market and elevating the stature of that market and that team there's a lot invested by the league just from a just from a strict cold cynical corporate standpoint there's a lot banking on John Morant from the NBA's perspective again like we don't want to see him not play basketball games like i don't really think he's done something incredibly egregious here that demands like super strict and harsh address he just made some bad decisions and now yeah. he's going to come back and play basketball at some point and and i think it's fair to wonder if the league and the grizzlies and nike's approach of just like yeah yeah we support ja and he's you know he's been so brave for getting counseling instead of just a kick in the ass of just like bro you fucking up and you need to do way better than this. I wonder if that approach is better. Maybe I'm old school. You know, my parents come from a third world country. They would have never handled me like this for acting this ridiculous. But maybe they're wrong. Maybe this new agey kid gloves sort of stuff kind of works. And job will be better for it. And, and I, I sincerely hope so. But what I want to impress upon the people who listen to this show to understand that a young, very famous rich black dude who in his public persona is trying to express that he's tough and that he will shoot people and he's in such a job where people know where he's at every single day of the season like literally what season he's in and he's broadcasting it 
And he's somebody who likes to be out in the public, meaning being accessible, a.k.a. touchable. That's what I think about. All this shit about, yo, you don't get to be the face of the league. And, who cares, bro? Like I, I, like, I can't impress this upon people enough. John Morant has already put pen to paper on contracts totaling excess of $250 million. He's done. His job here is done as far as blowing it. Oh, he's going to blow it. What's he going to blow? He's a 250 millionaire already, right? I just want to see this guy comport himself in a manner that um, is fitting for the stature uh, that people place on him. And that's what I want this guy to do. You know, whether he gets to be on the next NBA 2K, uh, like I could really give a fuck about that, honestly. Well, I, I do think the generational divide that you kind of alluded to earlier is interesting in part because I think leading into this, we have been hearing more and more consternation about how Adam Silver is handling things in the league. And in particular, uh, in contrast to how David Stern would handle things, most notably about some of the rest management stuff and like, oh, things would pop up and people would say, well, Stern would have rule with an iron fist, but Silver's taking a softer approach. I kind of feel like the softer approach won here, whereas like in years past, like it's hard for many, many, many reasons to compare this to the Gilbert Arenas situation, but Stern came down very hard on them. Gilbert does interviews recently basically saying he threat Stern's threatened to take away his contract or take a suspension. That sort of like uh, rings on the table Godfather style, which we which I think some people have been calling for lately, did not win out here. Silver kind of managed the situation as much as we want to complain about the PR of it and like how phony baloney some of the methods were. I kind of think it ended up in the right place, you know? Well, it was kind of a, a theatrical problem, as we're saying. Like it's a problem projected <laughs> over IG Live and not a gun in the locker room, you know? This yeah. if, if if John Moran had gotten a 50 game suspension, it'd be fucking bogus. Like that would be yeah. so disproportionate to what has actually happened here. And I like that is what's hard about this jaw thing is sometimes the conversation gets so highfalutin and <laughs> so like absurd. so precious about what has actually occurred that it's like, yes, these, some of these things are bad. Some of these things are contested. We're going to find out the truth of some of these previous incidents. Don't really know all the details on some of them yet. But as far as like this thing in particular, I agree with you. I was like, it's dangerous. It's putting yourself in a dangerous place. As far as what he actually did, that in it's, itself it is not that big a rate. deal. No, it just doesn't rate. Uh, and 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 the stuff. And here's my thing about Silver. I thought the shit they did with Ben Simmons, where they just were just fucking, just, it was cowardice what they were doing with Ben. Simmons, where they just literally wouldn't say what he's doing is crap. This guy's not. Yes, with the Sixers. He's getting paid 40 million a year. He's not showing up because he's angry at these guys. Like that that's crap. He should be fined to oblivion, docked his game checks. Like you don't get to comport yourself like that. Instead, what we got out of the league office is nothing. Let the Sixers handle it. That's not leadership to me. So finally, this guy's taking some freaking leadership initiative. And yeah, and I know like a lot of us, especially towards the end and, you know, the racially problematic nature of stuff like the dress code and all of the stuff that David Stern was involved in. A lot of us, especially at that time when he was towards the end of his tenure and I was at my peak like, yo, you know, the man shouldn't be talking to these brothers like that. I, you know, I was definitely on that side of the fence. Now I'm kind of like, I sort of missed the guy. 
<laughs> I miss I miss the leadership and the vision and just the idea of just like, yo, can we just run this like something that's serious and is meaningful? And when you mess and when you do things that threaten this, we're going to come down on you because we care about it. You know, that's you know, I, I guess I'm getting older and more reactionary. I don't, I don't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean. I, I do think like silver is going to be in the spotlight more and more as you go along here. The new, the new CBA negotiations are coming up. The new TV contracts are coming up. I did note that it seems like the the company that owns Bally Sports, which runs a lot of the regional networks, that's nasty. Uh, by filed way. for bankruptcy. That's so something to watch very closely, which could lead to streaming more quickly or could lead to a lot of disarray. I mean, Silver was front and center with this stuff uh, about like his vision for how the NBA goes into the future. But then we see poor TV ratings for the All-Star game. But then there's a ton of impressions. So there's a lot to figure out here. But I do feel like this is like one of the, an inflection point for that. Like, I, I think ultimately, I think his player centric sort of view that's being dinged Pretty often these days, I think it kind of won out here. So I don't know, just something to file away for for the future. Um, why don't we wrap it up there? Uh, thank you to Eduardo Ocampo on production. Thank you to Benjamin Cruz for sitting in here. We'll be back next week, I believe, in the daytime. So check out for that. Uh, we'll see you. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC slim fit trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just... Once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client.